the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Facts, the sports show that educates and entertains. I'm sitting here with my right-hand man, my left-hand man this time, Jake Galley. Switch it up on you. Yeah, and over there, crunching numbers, we got Stat Matt. How are we doing today, guys? Doing well. I'm doing done? well. I'm a little a- hoarse. But yeah, not as good as Travis mind. Kelsey's day, but I'm doing well. Not as yeah. Travis Kelsey, Pat Mahomes, all, all of them. Big Red, shout out. So all of them are having a better day than us. No Jewel today. She's actually out at a family dinner, so... Uh, one, we miss her. Hope she's having a good dinner and that she brings us some. Because I always ask for. Happy food. birthday, Jules' uncle. Happy birthday, oh, yeah. Jules' uncle. You wouldn't want her to bring you some though. That would I'm be what? like, well, I don't know, it'd be a week old next time you see it, or at least like four days oh, old. She's packaging up food for me. I'm meeting her tomorrow to grab. It. Like that's <laughs> that's how it is. But since Jules' not here, we will start with this past week in sports right up the top. First of all, the Knicks fire president Steve Mills. I just felt the need to put that in there because it's more turmoil in in the New York Knicks market, and that's always fun. No, it's definitely big news. I mean, this is a guy I work with a Knicks fan uh, doing sports stuff, so this is like the best day of his life hearing that. Uh, Steve Mills got fired, but really, is, is he, he fired because he's on the he's on the MSG board now? And so. also, is he the one that needs to go? No, but he's the next closest. I mean, right. you're not going to get rid of Dolan. You so. can't get rid of. He's got to resign himself. The first Grand Slam of the year in the Australian Open concluded with Novak Djokovic winning it for the men's side, his 17th total Grand Slam, and Sophia Kennan, the American, winning her first career Grand Slam. Shout out to both of them. The Dodgers have acquired AL MVP, former AL MVP Mookie Betts, and pitcher David Price from the Red Sox. I, I was absolutely Red Sox blown. owners pinching pennies because they're going to spend money for Liverpool instead of their baseball team. Yeah, to when they didn't want to spend money on Babe. Ruth, so they traded him for financial reasons. I saw some stat that the last time they traded a former MVP before his 27th birthday was Babe Ruth. Yeah. I mean, so, this is ridiculous. So I, do it again. I can't wait until we get back into baseball. This was, I, I don't understand this, but. Yeah. Uh, they weren't the only ones making move. The Angels acquired Jock Peterson um, for Luis and Louis Luis? Rengifo, Rengifo. Sorry, never heard of this. Never heard of this guy. Which for even further is my point that the the Angels got a steal in Jock Peterson. Yeah, they got a little squad now. They got a little bit. Um, and then the NBA trade deadline is upon us, and we got the first blockbuster deal. A ten-player trade went down in the NBA last night, centered around Clint Capella. The Rockets get Robert Covington, Jordan Bell, and a second-round pick from the T Wolves. The Hawks get Clint Capella and Nene from the Rockets. The T-Wolves get Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, and Atlanta first-round pick, which originally came from the Brooklyn Nets. And the Nuggets get Gerald Green, Kata Benz-Giop, Sabaz Napier, Noah Vonley, Jared Vanderbilt, and a Houston first-round pick. My God. Uh, Yeah, I don't really understand what the Nuggets and Timberwolves are doing. I feel like this is more of a primer trade for maybe both of those teams. I guess. To uh, set up future moves. To me, I'm looking at this from the Rockets' point of view, and I really see, like, one, I want to talk about this a little bit. I don't want right, to we slip, could, skip yeah, we, we, we could save it for later. I don't want to skip by this, but um, no, I want to talk about it now. Like, to, to me, this is a glimpse of the Rockets wanting to not only go small, but really up their pace of play. Like, they're... To me, that's a whole buy-in on Russell Westbrook. 
they like the the fast pace, the full court game, and that's what Russell Westbrook brought to the Rockets' offense. And they don't want a slow big guy slowing them down anymore. They're gonna go with PJ Tucker at center. Yeah. It's just all systems well, go. They might want that until they come up against uh, Anthony Davis or Nikola Jokic in the playoffs. That's gonna be hilarious. And it's gonna be hilarious. Six five PJ Tucker trying to stop them. And I like PJ. I got nothing wrong with him, but he about to get bullied a bunch of times. They, uh, but be... again, I think they're gonna like this is the move They'll before probably go the get move, somebody. In yeah. my opinion, they'll go yeah. get somebody. Yeah. But here comes a fact straight at you. With Pat Mahomes winning Super Bowl MVP after the Chiefs' 31-20 victory in Super Bowl 54 over the 49ers, he became the youngest quarterback ever to have won both MVP and a Super Bowl MVP. When it's all said and done, will Pat Mahomes be remembered as the GOAT, the greatest of all time? Is that where he's headed right now? I think, I mean, that's the trajectory he's on, but there's a reason. Definitely the trajectory he's on. There's a reason that there's only a few people in that conversation is because it's so hard to overcome, like think about all the obstacles, and we'll, we'll get to StatMat's deep dive about Tom Brady later in the episode. But think about all the obstacles that Brady had to overcome in the playoff. Just to be like, imagine if he doesn't come back against the Falcons, he's still an all-time great quarterback. But are you really gonna? I mean, I guess at that point, you maybe I was already you can argue, but I don't. I but it's not solidified. Like to be on the flip side, though, like he so could hard. be going back to back if D Ford doesn't line up offsides. Pat Mahomes, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Right, that's a good point. And again, we've seen the arm talent. Like, if you watch the guy, forget, like, all the stats, and the stats speak to how good he is as well, but, like, you watch the guy, and it's like, he shouldn't be able to do some of the stuff that he's doing, the arm power, the accuracy, his comeback ability. I mean, it it was absolutely uncanny in the Super Bowl, and we'll get to our full Super Bowl recap in a second, but third and 15, on their own 30, and Joe Buck literally says it. They need some Mahomes magic right now. What happens? A scramble and a 50-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill lands. Literally on cue. It was insane. I mean, what we really got in the Super Bowl, in my opinion, was kind of what we previewed in episode 37 with the air raid offense versus the ground and pound offense, which we we really saw that in the first half. And through three quarters, it looked like the Niners, you know, pretty much had it under control before what we thought had it under control. Yeah, and and Jimmy Garoppolo was probably on his way to what could have been a possible MVP performance. And he was now nineteen of twenty two at one point. And now people are trying to try. I saw an article saying that they should trade Jimmy Garoppolo while they still have the chance. Uh, what does that even uh, mean? Come on, what does that mean? The guy leads you to one of your most successful seasons in in recent memory, and you're. But I think that was the question: Did he lead them, or was was that happening around Jimmy Garoppolo, not because of Jimmy Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo is a B quarterback who played a really bad game in a big moment. And you can win a Super Bowl with a really talented team with a B quarterback. Uh, uh, I don't even know if it was a bad game. I mean, it's a bad couple drives towards the end. When it matters the most. When it matters, matters, of course, of course. And you can't go without saying that. uh, And he misses, you know, the Emmanuel Sanders one sticks out. He's behind the coverage and misses what would have been a touchdown. I saw no zip zip on any throw. He was better than Goff was last year. Oh, God. And how much is Goff getting paid? A lot. M's. Too much. 100 M's. Well, to me, I'm afraid for the 49ers because they look like one of those teams who get in the Super Bowl, have a lackluster performance, and never go again. The Panthers, the Rams, the Falcons of the world. like, And it's always the NFC teams who, except y'all, okay, except y'all, but that go and have, you know, these lackluster performances, and then you just see that, uh, then they're maybe not built for the moment. Maybe they're not going to do it again, and they don't. And I'm, I'm really hoping that's not San Francisco. Right. Because unlike you, I don't dislike them. I'm not. No, I don't. The, the team I love, they're a very hard play. You know, they play very hard. And the, the way that they get value out of players, um, you know, Raheem Mostert's been talked about a ton. 
how this guy's an un- both teams undrafted free agents. Damian Williams, Williams on the other good. side, eleven touchdowns in the postseason. Um, but like they're getting value out of places that usually these are the throwaways of the league. So I I don't I have no problem with the team, but I will say that they're built uh, somewhat inexpensively. Like. Mostert's not costing you a ton of money. Debo Samuel's going to be cheap. They're young. Right, they're they're very young. So they got guys locked up. I think that they'll be a recurring team. The Panthers were young. Yeah, I mean... It's it's and and the that, Rams that's the are young, like you look around they? like even 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 the the best coaches and best quarterbacks you look at Sean Payton and Drew Brees won Super Bowl Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy won Super Bowl so like it, you're never it's never a given that you're going back but I think they'll still be a tough team like the Panthers were still a tough team they just couldn't get things to go their way towards the end of the season right I mean that was an ugly Super Bowl anyway but. All, all the credit in the world to the Chiefs, and especially from, from Patrick Mahomes. And Matt, you alluded to it last week, about how good this guy is, not just having to come from behind in the whole scope of a score, like of scoring and, and taking the lead, but really when he's faced with uphill battles, he wins. Like, it's just amazing to really see. Pat Mahomes on third and 15-plus this season, including playoffs, 13 of 17, 299 yards, and three touchdowns. He faced two of these situations in the Super Bowl and converted both of them. One in the most, one of the most pivotal times. I think that third and 15-plus to Tyreek Hill is the play of the game. Like, without that, they have to put the ball oh, away God, yeah. again, and now they probably go down 17. Like, they, they needed that right then, right there. And really, there's maybe two or three quarterbacks in the league that could get it done. One that I'm confident in getting it done is Patrick Mahomes. The other the two difference is and Russell Wilson. Mahomes made the throw to Tyreek Hill. Garoppolo missed the throw to Sanders. Yeah. yeah. And that ended up being a pretty defining moment for both teams. Uh, I, I liked what I saw out of Kelsey. I think that, I mean, is it truly, can we anoint Kelsey as the best tight end just because Absolutely. he had a much better Absolutely. game? No. He's the, Travis Kelsey is the best tight end. Kittle's better. Kittle's a better blocker, and they're, like, equally good receivers. See, Kittle, here's my thing. Is that Kittle, Kittle, Kittle doesn't move around, though, and that's either for better or for worse, but he's kind of slotted. It's almost as if, like, you know, like, Jimmy G, oh, well, did they get their... Not because of Jimmy G, but in spite. Like it's almost with Kelsey. Like is he? There's productive? a world where they don't call that OPI and Kittle makes a huge play to get him three that, points. You know what? There is, there, is a, there is a world. Yeah, it's called Kyle Rudolph earlier in the playoffs. <laughs> so, I, so oh, come on, there's so many plays where that doesn't get called a pass interference. I get that, but I mean, you know. but point being, I think Kelsey, the way that he, they move him around, he could. You know, sometimes he's going to be the guy out wide. Sometimes he'll be an and inline think, blocker. And like, I disagree, man. I think Kelsey is way more versatile in the passing game than George Kittle is. Like you can line him up more places. He's a better route runner. Like I think he, he creates way like way worse matchups. I mean, it's one and two. We're arguing one and two right now. But I do think Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the league. Not like head and shoulders above George Kittle. It's probably situations where I'd rather George Kittle. But overall, right. I think Travis Kelsey's better. Um, and I think he, but I, he deserves a lot of praise because in that game, I mean, he didn't have the one shining moment, whether you know that's Hill or I mean, that's Sammy steady. Watkins. But like he was, he was there in big moments, yeah. picking up first downs, open over the middle, he getting played, open. He played what a tight end should play, like that ultimate safety net. You know, that big, huge target in the middle of the field. That if I can't see anybody, I see my tight end. Like that's exactly what Travis Kelsey did. And then before we get back to Mahomes, I want to ask you guys: Do you think? Damian Williams should have been the Super Bowl MVP. One hundred percent, absolutely. No, no without a, without a doubt, yes, should have been the Super Bowl. No, MVP. why not? Because his last thirty-eight yard touchdown run really didn't matter. I mean, all I see was fall down. That's that's cheap yardage you're adding. 
when the smart play is to fall down after eight yards. So in reality, he had but, seventy yeah. yards and like a touchdown about well, that. You know, like, in reality, we're not gonna take his yardage. And no, his but like it didn't matter. It didn't matter that he had thirty extra yards there. It was, it was why did I put a pin in the game? No, but once he got the first down, the pin was in, and then he just ran and was. And I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get my yardy. There's no one in front of me. If he fell out of the one, pin, pin but he, he went in the no, end zone game. No, the game because I mean, yes, they probably they probably. You kneel it, and then you kneel the ball out. Um, crazy things can happen. Him going. To crazy the things can happen. The 49ers who gone on scored, got an onside kick, and scored again. Is that really gonna happen? We will, uh, we'll touch on our check tape segment to go back, but this plays perfectly into. The NFL does not fuck with running backs. They do not like running backs. They're not going to let a running back win. They're not going to pay big money to a running back. It's just not going to happen. But why would they let a receiver win Super Bowl MVP and not a running back? I've seen Super. I've, been, I've seen receivers win Super Bowl MVP. I've seen it twice now. No, I mean, and running backs have in the past as well. But it's been a long time. But it's, it's been longer, and the game is now more more edged towards passing on offense. That's why. Chris Jones could have been Super Bowl MVP. I wouldn't have complained. Well, yeah, well, you would have had to put a gun to whoever's head. That was never going to happen. A defensive player. I mean, come on, come on. He didn't have a strip sack. Here's he didn't the thing. Have a touch I don't. I don't. I see why they made Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl MVP. Obviously, he's a quarterback. He's probably the new face of the league. He was on Madden 20, which we didn't talk about how the fact that he beat the Madden curse for the first time in probably a very long time. Um, but I can obviously see why they give it to Patrick Mahomes over Damian Williams. But I think Damian Williams one was steady for longer in the game than Patrick Mahomes was, and like. It, it's it's hard. Patrick Mahomes' numbers are. I don't even really know how to explain. Damian Williams just should have been Super Bowl MVP. That's all I really need to know about it. Right. That's like, fair enough. I think that you can make a case for either guy, but I I, I can't go against giving it to the. What's crazy about Pat Mahomes? That was one of his worst games ever, and he still was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, Way and- more than made up for it. His bad was in the beginning. You know what I mean? He threw out the first three quarters. If you just look at, like, expected points added, he's never had a game in his, in his career where he's been negative. Well, let's talk about that stat, that, that expected points out of the EPA stat. I see you put a nice chart in here in our script for us. We'll also put this chart on social media, but explain what we got going on here real quick. So we got two charts. Both are based on expected points added, um, and it's average expected points added per dropback on third and 15s. Mahomes blows away the competition. Can we, can we just for the first In both chart, average depth of target, which means he chucks it deep, and average expected points added on those plays. No one's close. The closest in expected points added, this is since 2009, is Brett Favre, with a little bit below, 0.6, and Mahomes is above 0.8. And average depth of target, you got Josh Allen at 16, but he's all down at like 0.18. Uh, EPA when Mahomes it's it's absurd. Like can we just see where Mahomes' dot is compared to everybody else? <laughs> it's one of the like, dots where just, you go to the you go to the chart and you're like, where's Mahomes? Where's Mahomes? I, I can't find it. And then He's like you're like, oh, I'm missing him. He's in the upper. This top looks like right. when someone's dominating a Mario Kart. And then you look down just overall EPA for any situation of all quarterbacks is since 2009, and he blows away everybody. This is single season, so um, this is. So you have Mahomes by himself, and then you have Peyton Manning, and you have like another Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and a Brady. That but they're still like pretty far away from Mahomes. And this, I mean, we don't have it, you know, handily with us. But you look at Mahomes' completion percentage, and these these stats can point to okay, he chucks the ball down the field. You you can chuck the ball down the field, but then you combine it with the completion percentage, the yards, and the touchdowns, and you realize this this man doesn't just chuck the ball down the field. This offense is designed to go that far down the field, and he's the best at it, maybe ever. 
at completing those balls, at finding the right receivers, getting them open, making plays, whatever you want to say, however you want to word it, Pat Mahomes is the best at that deep threat attack. Right, and everything we've talked about, and, and we even talked about it last episode, of the narrative of this game being the ultimate passing game, you know, high-flying, high-scoring football, versus running game, defensive, conservative, run-the-clock-out, grinding football, and the pass-happy, aggressive passing style of the Chiefs won, won out. And I, 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 had I kind of wasn't expecting it. I had a revelation watching the game because it reminded me of watching the Golden State Warriors during their run in the playoffs where it's like, oh, man, this is a tight game. It's a tough game. It looks like they're going to lose. Flip gets switched, and there's no doubt about it from there. Um, and you look at, like, the long range. Like, they have to—the Chiefs have to win. Firepower. Like, in terms of play-to-play, play, they have to win less plays mm-hmm. than the than the Niners did to win that game. And they did that exactly. And, and I think it's very synonymous, you're right, with, with what the Warriors did because we can play— we can play your game for 75% of it and stay within striking distance because you're right. We only need that 15% to play or that 25% to play our game, and you can't beat us at our game. Once we start turning stuff up, once we start turning shit up, you're not going to be able to match it. That's what the Chiefs did, and you're right. That's what those nut-ass Warriors always used to do. Yeah. Well, it's good to see them uh, struggling right now. Maybe they'll move been. D'Angelo Russell. But speaking of D'Angelo Russell, do yeah, we want to get into the NBA maybe a little bit? Finally, dog. We haven't talked about the NBA in how long? It's been a while, All yeah. Football stuff. So it's let's do superlative it. stuff. Yeah. So if you look, the last major trade deadline moves that led directly to titles were the 2004 Pistons trading for Rasheed Wallace, shout out Philly, mm-hmm. at the 2004 trade deadline, and the Lakers trading for Pau Gasol at the 2008 deadline. What trades could happen this year that could propel a team to the title? Well, I think first we need to see which teams need key pieces to get to that title. And what better where what better place to start than the hometown Sixers who need an abundance of a lot of things? They're already turning red. They could use a lot of things. <laughs> I think they red. will go after something that Joel Embiid actually spoke about today when speaking to the media. They asked him if this team had an offensive identity. He's like, "No, we do not. Uh, spacing is an issue." And he's not. I mean, he's not lying. He's not telling a lie there. Uh, We're saying so, he was coming at Ben Simmons for it, right? I, I do think that, and that's Little shade? that's that. Look, Little we don't shady? even have we don't have enough time in the episode to, to get down that. Al Horford, um, Al Horford is the them. Sixers version of Demarco Murray. He's at both of them. That's a good that's a good comparison as well. But I, the shade was him and Brett Brown had shade for Ben Simmons. But looking at the Sixers, they definitely need shooting, and there's a couple guys when you go down the list that I think could be really good fits. First and foremost, Davis Bertans who lit the Sixers up one game uh, that they played, I think that he would slide in very naturally as a three. He could probably play the two. And for me, that's my guy who I, like, if if as a Sixers fan, like, if they come away with Davis Bertans, like, that's a win for me. So what do you guys think the Warriors would, or excuse me, the Wizards would want in return for someone like Bertans? Well, I think if they, they go Davis Bertans, 
they might be giving up either one of John Wall or Bradley Beal as well to maybe blow the whole thing up and kind of start new. So you so you think that Bertans doesn't move unless it's in a deconstruction, like total deconstruction. Well, because what 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 are you going to move Bertans for? Like, like I think the Sixers will give them Zaire Smith in a first round. Uh, maybe not a first round pick, me, a couple second round which picks. Which to me furthers the Washington's movement of going forward. Like, but I don't think that it has to like, like I think a first round pick if you're not looking towards the future. Right, agreed. Well, they should be. I mean, and hopefully they are. I think that rebuilding when you know that you can't win a title with your current team is always the move. But I just don't think, like, I mean, maybe they do have intentions to move Wall or intentions to move Beal, but that shouldn't, if they don't, that shouldn't prevent them from adding assets in a trade for someone like Bertans, uh, who I'll have to check. I think he's on an expiring contract. So really, it's a big win for them. And even if not, I think if the Sixers offer you a guy like Zaire Smith, who, remember, they traded, they had uh, Mikael Bridges, traded for Zaire Smith and the reasoning was we think this kid can be pretty darn good so much so that we're going to trade back trade away Mikel Bridges who was a perfect fit at the time so to me that's what yeah you're laughing at my pen <laughs> is, that, is that what you're laughing at the Sixers just love to get rookies who can't play their first year Right, and like, to me, it's like, oh, man, Mikel can play. That doesn't really fit our mind. Yeah, so ne- How about this guy who's got a broken foot? <laughs> Next year, Bertans is going to be a free agent. So this would just be a rental for the Sixers. But Smith isn't a guy who plays right now anyway. So I'd be totally okay with moving him. Um, another. Well, let's look first. Let's look and see what, what Bertans actually would bring to the Sixers. Right now, averaging 15 points, four, 4.6, so about five rebounds a game. Shooting 43% from the field, 42% from three, so 40, 42.9. So 43% from three, 87% from the foul line. The, the three-point percentage is the big one. Is, is the big one. And his effective field goal percentage, which accounts for the fact that three point, a three-point field goal is worth more than a two-point field goal, he's up damn near 60%, 59.8. So the spacing that he, that he talks about, one, he's 6'10". So he's not playing a two-guard. He plays that stretch four. So that's going to very much help the Sixers in their spacing, their shooting, and when he gets to the line, those late-game situations, Sixers are not a great free-throw shooting team as a whole. He helps that as well. I actually think Bertans is one of the one of the best moves that the Sixers could do. Yeah, and um, another couple guys who I had on this list, both the Morris brothers, the Sixers have been in on. They're pretty much, they have a very similar game, so that makes sense. Um as well as Denzel Valentine, which uh, you can keep No, that. yeah, what you want Denzel you can, Valentine You can for. keep that, but... Uh, Matt just put into our script here. The Sixers and the Mavericks are actually two teams in the mix for uh, a Glenn Robinson III trade. To me, the Sixers should not be targeting big men unless he can stretch the floor and shoot it through. No, he can. He's shooting 40% from three this year for the Warriors. And actually, Steve Kerr— Bringing back a process member. Yeah, right? Isn't that crazy? Steve Kerr uh, has spoken about Robinson saying that this is a guy who could potentially be— are starting small forward next year. That that's like big boy Warriors team. That's not this hurt Warriors team where you got a bunch of cast offs. So that's pretty promising to me from a guy who knows a thing or two about developing good players. And I do think Robinson can be that. Who has Steve Kerr developed? Harrison he, Barnes. He got did he develop Harrison Barnes. Developed him into a big contract. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Harrison Barnes. I bet he attributes him. Steve to Curry don't know shit about developing nobody. He got all them people when they were already. Regardless, broken. I think that Robinson is someone who I look at. Bertans is someone who I look at. Ultimately, it's going to be someone who isn't. You're not going to get a splash. You're not going to get CJ McCollum. You're not going to get Bradley Beal. Um, this is a team, the Sixers, that is that is built for the playoffs, and they're not going to deconstruct it until they see what it can do in the playoffs. So. 
The only moves that I could see them making are to who's add the, pieces. Who's the bad apple on the Sixers? Who's the bad apple? You really want to do this right now? Who's the bad apple, Jake? I want you to say it. I think Brett Brown is. I think Brett Brown is the reason that they're failing right now. We're going to put that all on Brett Brown? Al Horford. Thank you. I wanted somebody to say it. I mean, Al Horford, I guess. You don't want to. You, if you, you knew who I wanted you to say, and you just didn't want to say it. Well, or you wanted me to say Joel or Ben or someone. I, I, look, here's the thing. If you send Al Horford to the bench, this is a different team. When you have a wing-oriented, you know, one through three, when you have Ben, Jay Rich, and Matisse out there, that is a lineup that is traditional to the NBA today and I think allows Ben Simmons to work to his strengths while not totally running and beat out of the game. And that's the balance that you have to find that Ben, uh, that Brett Brown has not been able to find. That's why I put it on Brett Brown. Maybe, maybe it is the players and maybe it is Al Horford not fitting in, but then I would put it on Alton Brand if that's the case. Or it could just be the players not playing. I mean, it could be a whole slew of things. So I think you get rid of the coach first, and then you go through, then you go GM, then you go players. That's usually how it works. That's how the higher so so the star players is untouchable for you. Dwight Howard got his coach fired because he didn't like him. I mean, like star players, whether it's their fault or not, they're going to get catered to more times than not by like right or wrong. Like I like it might be Ben Simmons. I, I, we we have been on here talking at length about how Ben Simmons needs to shoot, and he doesn't, and it's costing the team. So, yeah, like there's some stuff that they all could do. But overall, I put it on Brett Brown. And there's a lot of problems with the Sixers. The two, the one constant that I will not budge on is no matter what you do, you keep Simmons and Embiid on the team. Yep, and that's, I mean, you talk about Ringer, ESPN, all these major markets trying, forcing, please break up the Sixers. That's what they want. It won't happen, or at least it won't happen until Brett Brown is gone, but... Another right, team. The Sixers won't break up. They'll just ride the ship till it sinks. And I'm okay with that, to be honest with you. I'm okay with that. I'd, I'd be more okay with I that. I just say it's a bad thing. Than, than having them not see what the total fulfillment of Embiid and Simmons would look like. But what are some other teams? I mean, I think one of the teams that shares a common need with the Sixers is the Los Angeles Lakers. And I think they need either another point guard or they need to find Kuzma's replacement. It's it's one or the other. But I think the first person they can go after is Derrick Rose. Um, Derrick Rose uh, of the Detroit Pistons. Someone who, at the point guard position, they don't have right now a scorer at the point guard position. Derrick Rose, whether he's starting or coming off the bench, Derrick Rose is averaging over 20 points a game right now for the Pistons. So he could really come in and provide them fire, provide them scoring, and he's just a tough matchup for any backup point guard you want to put in there. You could play him with Rondo in small lineups, have Rondo be more of the facilitating and Derrick Rose be more of the scoring guard. And it just makes the Lakers that much more hard to guard, especially in transition. And it adds just depth, and they're not really deep on their bench right now, and I think that's something that could really help them. Yeah, someone who I, and I totally agree, by the way, with Derrick Rose. I'm not sure what they could give. Maybe Kuzma, but that might be a Kuzma little bit of an overpay. Kuzma out of here. Kuzma is out of there. That might be a little bit of an overpay. Right, I, and I agree he he will be gone eventually. Um, but for me, I look at Darren Collison mainly because you can probably get him on the veteran minimum. He's not going to cost you anything. He's a free agent. If you remember, he retired at the beginning of the season mainly so he could wait, see what team, hey, where can I win a title, and then go to that team. So I think if I'm the Lakers and I'm trying to be the most cost-effective, that's who I go after. My only reservations would be how ready is he? How ready is he to step back into the NBA? Has he slowed down at all? Um, Stuff like that. But we'll see. I I, I definitely give credence to the Derrick Rose thing as well. I think he could be a perfect fit, and it would be awesome to see him potentially win a title. I think he deserves that. Yeah. I think he 100% deserves that.
I still think one other team who really could use somebody because I'm surprised this team is performing as poorly as they are is the Portland Trailblazers. A team who went to the Western Conference Finals last year, a team that is very well put together and for some reason just cannot get off the ground despite the resurgent play of Damian Lillard over this past month. Yeah, he's been unreal, and it's a total shame that they did not give him the Player of the Month award. I know. It's it's the one time where LeBron got an award where I was like, right. people I mean, are going to hate him for that, even though it's not his fault. Right. He should have won that. We were, like, who picks those awards? Like, it's gotta be. It's gotta be like writers and members of the media, and of course they're gonna give it to LeBron. They can write a story about it. Afterwards. I don't know. I think so. We asked Ryan McDonough on Scallon Pals today about who did it. He didn't give us an answer really. <laughs> I love Ryan, but he he was essentially saying that someone in the league office, which to me means it's just some intern that they're like, hey, look up some stats and pick a guy who should be East and West Player of the Month. That'll get us some the week. Point. The week I can see them doing that. The month is a much bigger deal, right? You play, Factors into MVP yeah, and stuff. Yeah, you play like fifteen to twenty games in a month. Like, well, but I mean, right, Damian Lillard is a guy who, if anyone had a had a month to remember, it was this guy. I mean, he was snapping sixty point games, fifty point games. I think he had the longest forty point streak since I guess since Harden did it for a while, didn't since, he? Since Harden did it, he's got. I, I believe over this six-game stretch, he's at the most three-pointers made in NBA history for a six-game stretch. Um, he's just playing absolutely out of his mind. He, he describes it nothing more than he's just in a good rhythm. Like, there's, he's going out on the court, just finding his spots, and he's making him count. I mean, we talk about a month, month and a half ago, the Blazers were a lottery team. The Blazers were... 10th, 11th in the West, and he's got him right now sitting outside of an 8 seed by only two and a half games, and that can change in a week, um, especially with the bottom half of the Western Conference. So the Blazers are trending upwards right now, and I think they get that one more key piece. Trevor Ariza is not it. Sorry, Portland, Trevor. That's not Trevor Ariza. They get one more key piece to really help with their scoring and their depth, and they're they're right back in the playoffs. I mean, that could be Yusuf Nurkic. He was, if you remember, when he came back, he was... Um, I, I think loved it was that a season deal when or two they ago. Got him. Yeah. Right, a season or two ago where he was hurt, he came back for the Blazers right around right before playoff time after All Star break and was phenomenal for mm-hmm. them. Uh, and that's something that they're missing. For like, I know Whiteside's been great statistically, but he is not a good defender, and he is contributes to I think what largely is a problem for and them. Yusuf stretches the floor. Contract your Whiteside will expire when his contract does. Yeah, absolutely. that's correct. So I don't know. I think Lillard. Uh, kind of gets the shit end of the stick being in the Western Conference, putting up these games, and you still will lose a game or two here or there just because of the competition. I mean, speak about putting up these good games. I, I'm ready to. I'm ready to start talking about Damian Lillard in an MVP conversation when anybody. I think else he deserves is. it. I like, think he I'm, deserves. I haven't it. heard much buzz from him, but this month really proves to me that he should be at least top five in MVP voting right now. And is averaging .235 win shares per 48 minutes, the highest of his career. To put that in context, to put, put to put that in perspective, that's higher than Rose's MVP season and higher than Westbrook in his MVP season. So those are literally MVP numbers. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. And, and I mean, I think that some of that, and when you look especially at the Westbrook season, it's like putting up huge numbers on a bad team. It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, what's a bad to the Thunder? Were what succeed that year? Yeah, but uh, right, right. I mean, they were they were a playoff team, but this, but to that point, then, that team, I didn't think too. I didn't think Westbrook should be an MVP that year. And to my point, like the Blazers might not even make the playoffs with no. Him you all this. As, as, you want to talk about win shares being a part or wins being a part of an All Star voting? Wins one hundred percent 
deserves to be it's talked about in the MVP voting. Really quick, we're gonna do a draft of the All Star lineup. I'll give you LeBron. You can be LeBron, so that's the one captain. I'll be Giannis. Oh, so we can't choose LeBron and Giannis? No, no, no. I mean, that's not really how it's going to work. Yeah, but do you want to? You, you wanna... already have LeBron because you're, you're LeBron. Yeah. You should be happy. You're going to choose LeBron. Okay, so I give you the first pick. Who are you going to choose? LeBron. Okay. Like <laughs> well, you take Giannis. I'll take Giannis. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. So let's start. I'll, all right. So let's start it. I'll be Giannis. You can be. <laughs> Thanks for giving me the first pick because you could have picked LeBron. You can be LeBron, and then what? It goes like back to back, right? So I I pick, then you pick. Like it goes like snake formation. Yeah. So okay. I pick, you pick, now you pick again. So I'm going to pick Joel Embiid because I'm a homer son of a bitch. Uh, and I you also fool. think that he's a you fool. You would never take him that high because he wouldn't have taken him <laughs> fool. there. Fool! I never would have taken him. You would have yeah. got Joel Embiid with the, with your fifth pick. You fool. <laughs> James, James I hope isn't going to be dumb and take Chris Paul here. Like, he I, knows I, the game. Yeah, I, I can't take Chris Paul, but, like, even still. Go ahead and – okay, James. Uh, we're gonna no, Chris gonna, Paul was a starter. I'd we're we're going to load these teams into 2K, and we're going to see which team wins. So Jake, that's all. I'll just leave it at that. I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Don't take do a pick. to yourself. Take don't a pick. Anthony Davis. Okay, you pick AD. Get some, get some uh, uh, natural connection between LeBron and AD. Uh, if you were really LeBron, who's like an impending free agent? He would just go and pick that guy. That's what he did last year. Right, exactly. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, how it worked out. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Luca next. I think Luca makes sense there. I'm. I'm building a nice, right. nice core out here. We have to remember. Not only is this an All Star game, we're also gonna play this in 2K. So I'm taking James Harden. In a normal game, I'm staying away from James Harden. In this, I'm taking James Harden. No, he's a and I I'm a I'm a big Harden guy, so I can't really hate on you for that. Um, I'm then going to go, man. My team's nice. I'm gonna go Kawhi Leonard. Like who? Come on, bro. If this is played in 2K, you know the 2K computers don't give a shit if it's the All Star game or not. They're locking you down. Kawhi might lock Kawhi might lock James Harden, but I'm like <laughs> Kawhi might. Lock, <laughs> Kawhi, that's fine if I gotta start first James Harden. Kawhi might lock up James Harden. Um. I'm taking. I'm also taking Trey Young. An easy shot, two and two K with on blacktop range. Mm. All right. So then this is my last pick here, and I guess I have to. T- I have to. I have to take Kemba Walker. Right? Is that how we're doing it? I have to take the last remaining quote unquote point guard. Yeah, I'll do that because otherwise I'd be shoehorned into Siakam. So ah, damn. Did all you right. See that one. Coming? I'll take. I'll take Kemba Walker. That's fine because they're gonna put Kawhi and Pascal Siakam in. In 2K anyway, so I'm just gonna stand in a corner the whole time. Oh yeah, they will. He'll be your three though. I'm cool with that. Okay. Because you gonna have Luca try and guard James Harden. We're we're gonna put this on Twitter and you as like a Twitter poll, I guess, as well. Mm -hmm. And you guys can vote. Let us know who do you think had the better lineup. James, I'll read his team off: LeBron, AD, Harden, Trey Young, and Siakam. My team: Giannis and Bead. Luca, Kawhi, and Kemba. Who, let's remember, is, do you think Embiid's going to play in the All-Star game? That's a good point. Either way, for this, he'll play in the 2K All-Star game. Uh, I, As a Sixers fan, I mean, I could care less. I honestly hope he doesn't. But, Matt, you have to. You, now you have to pick. who Whose team do you like better? James. Matt, that is so messed up. And, honestly, I feel like it's slightly <laughs> ridiculous because you're mad 
that the Sixers season isn't going well. You're going to take it out on Joel Embiid. No, I love Embiid. This is nothing to do with Embiid. It's the fact that I'm a big Harden stan, and I, I like Harden, and I, I don't like your guards. Four. Your guard, and then Luka's like a small forward that you're going to shoehorn in point guard, shooting guard. He is Dallas's point guard, point forward, whatever you want to call it. Whatever. You're going to have Luka trying to guard James Harden, and James Harden's going to put him in a pretzel. Whatever. James Harden's a fat boy who doesn't play any defense either. I don't need to play defense. All right. Anyways. <laughs> I will need him too. All right, moving on. We're introducing a new segment here on Straight Facts called Check Tape. So our uh, lovely producer and statistician, Stat Matt, actually went back and found some takes that Jake and I have had, some good, some bad. He's going to play us over the airwaves, expose us a little bit, and I guess, I don't know, I guess we just got to explain ourselves. Jake probably has way more wrong takes than I do, don't he? Be honest. He, 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 I mean, here's... I, he you misread my face. You guys both fuck up a lot. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, we do say some... I'm ten toes. I probably have. I probably could have a justification for everything that I've said. So let's see what you guys said about who would be the number one overall fantasy running back. Mm. Ooh, 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 ooh. So you have the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. Who are you taking? <sighs> so, I... To be honest, I this really isn't starting do, well. You don't seem confident. Well, in this well, because there's there's really like four guys. We talked about two of them with Zeke and Saquon. I'm actually going to go with Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Um, and I just think, and, and it's funny because he, him, and I think the guy that you're going to go with were the two answers to one of the trivia questions that yeah. we had last week. But when you look at, and I, I'm of the school of thought of. I want to get the guys who are going to give the most opportunities. And there's no one else who's on the field more as a running back than Christian McCaffrey. He was more in, as a player. <laughs> more, well, in, in terms of running backs, he had 996 snaps. The next closest was Ezekiel Elliott with 895. So less than a, a 100 snap difference. And I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara from the Saints. We're going to stay in the NFC South division here. If I have the number one overall pick, I'm going to go with him. For a couple of reasons, um, people are you know are talking about maybe his his load is going to you know increase without Mark Ingram there, and that's going to hurt him. Um, we saw the first four games when Mark Ingram was suspended. Alvin Kamara didn't look like the Alvin Kamara we're used to because he was touching the ball so much. Maybe they were overusing him. He wasn't used to being that workhorse. Well, they bring in Latavius Murray to kind of replace Mark Ingram in those short yardage, big bowling ball back type situations. Okay, I'm not coming out the gate hot on that one, am I? No, not quite. But I mean, to to be fair, like that's like out of all the outrageous stuff that you've said on the show, like that's not one of them. Like that was a he was he was picked that's as one of those guys. Stuff. And plus, in 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 fantasy, like you know the 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 reason that McCaffrey was the number was the number one guy. Granted, it was because of all the opportunity and all the volume that he got. But I mean, he's the only thing that that team had. And the one thing that I, I had made mention of is that like. Michael Thomas, if Michael Thomas isn't on that team, Kamara is probably num- the number one That back. was my so. justification. I, I mean, I don't think anyone could really expect the crazy record-breaking season that Michael Thomas had in the regular season. I definitely didn't expect for the touches to come out of Kamara's hand and turn into you know, catches for Michael Thomas. So I thought we were going to see a steady dose of Alvin Kamara. We still kind of did. But also, Christian McCaffrey made the biggest leap of a running back that I've seen. In he had one of the best seasons time. of a running back ever. Right. So, like... Yeah, yeah. Good for good for McCaffrey. All right, Matt. What's the next one? Let's look what you guys said about the Sixers offseason. Oh. oh yeah, this is you. This is you. Oh no. All right, take a listen. As a Sixers fan, objectively, I love what they did. You can't put objectively. Right, it was in comma up and objectively. Okay. Both both ways. I love what they did. If you now look at their lineup, mm-hmm. especially come playoff time, the the one flaw throughout the years was that JJ Redick would get picked on. And they would switch right. whatever they don't have, ball they don't have that anymore. They don't have that anymore. I mean, 
Josh Richardson is a guy who, no, he's not Jimmy Butler. I'm not going to try and compare him to Jimmy Butler, but he did produce somewhat similar type numbers last year. Ooh, Josh Richardson being close to Jimmy Butler. Ooh. I mean, and the thing is, is that like <laughs> he, like he isn't, and I think it's a little cherry picked. Like I do go on, I think I do go like, like you know, he's not, he's not Jake, Jimmy Jake, Butler. Jake, look, but your like, team, your team made a move, and after probably not agreeing with it at first, you had to try to sense make and buy in. Like I under, I get it a little bit. You had to almost fool yourself as to why it's a good move. You guys did the same thing where you traded LaShawn McCoy for a bag of peanuts. No, no, no. no don't see. You now you're going. Don't thing. do this, James. You because trading LaShawn thing. McCoy is the reason we have Carson Wentz. That's the Indirect. first string. Okay, it's the first it's the first string of events okay. that leads to Carson Wentz. So like it's very sticky there. The Sixers, god damn it. They <laughs> suck right now. I can't even like I'm not going to I'm not going to do this again, okay? What what we didn't even get to in that clip is you praising Al Horford. Al Horford. Oh, I call him the best over over Westbrook, over Porzingis, over all those guys, the best acquisition of the uh, offseason. Little do you know. Y'all, I tried y'all. I really did. I tried to bring him back I meant down worst. To earth. I, I meant worst of the I meant worst. That's really what I meant. You guys misheard. I tried to bring him back <laughs> down to earth. I really did. He didn't want to listen to me, y'all. He didn't want to listen right. to me. Enough of that. Let's let's hear that the, last the last one. one. Let's see just a recent one. Let's go back to a week ago what we said what James specifically Very said about the Super Bowl twerk. I was right about this. Play the t- play the tape. Man, my favorite one, the one that I am absolutely going for is will Shakira and and J-Lo so both of them will they twerk during the Super Bowl halftime show that's a huge yes for I'm opti- I'm like wishfully thinking they're getting up there in age though like, oh, are dog. they really okay, gonna well, both be shaking it at the same time like what's it does not say J-Lo? same time Have you it does seen? not say same time on the back it doesn't say same time it just says they both have to twerk J-Lo is 100% throwing that ass in a circle. She 100% is. The last Especially time... Especially if Pitbull's there. The last time I had... You remember the last time they Okay. I remember the last time I saw J-Lo perform, she was with Iggy at What the Billboards. They had this song called Booty and... So like okay like I had to, I had to take my little brother away from the screen. <laughs> let me let me let me let me kind of dive into this first. For his safety or your alone time, <laughs> both. both. <laughs> Absolutely both. So like if if they're going like side to side, like just like a shake, Jake. does that count or is it like a like a up and down type motion must be like I wish y'all could really twerk. see Jake just try to act out both of these twerk that like Jules I cannot, cringing I cannot believe that you just did that like holy hell. Not so not only did they both twerk. But they did at the same time. Before you say a damn thing, I need you to revert all the way back and put some respect on both Shakira and J-Lo's name. Because I just heard you say, well, they're both getting up there in age, dog. No, they're both so incredibly hot. Thank you. Okay. Like, there's no doubt about that. But uh, I said this off camera, but it should be said again. J-Lo is older than Ted Cruz. Yeah, it's, it's not a great, crazy. not great imagery there on that one, Matt. But J Lo's great imagery every time. Well, Ted Cruz, on the other hand, I don't oh, like okay. correlating the two, but. I don't know if it was they a twerk, twerk dude. Don't, I don't, don't know if it was a twerk. They twerk. Like, I don't... You guys are sitting here and trying to, like, you know, go crazy in-depth analytical on a twerk. It, it, it wasn't the form. It's got to be a certain type of ass shaking. No. Do they turn around and shake their asses in the camera to try to make me drool? Yes. That's a twerk. That's it. That's point blank, period. So, I. but that's just, like... Like, I don't, like, so, like, you're, like, is it seductive? Is it provocative? Like, that stuff is person to person. It can change. It's subjective. No, it's not. 
not. Like, what? You can tell when someone's trying to be provocative or not. Ass-shaking in general was provocative. For instance, some people thought that the Super Bowl halftime was way too provocative. Some people did not. I'm not one of those people. I'm just saying some people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one of those people. Look, dog, what I witnessed in the camera on Super Bowl Sunday, uncomfortably sitting next to my mother, especially when I cheered for it, because I was right about it on the show, was Shakira and J-Lo twerking simultaneously. By the way, Shakira washed J-Lo in it. Yeah, well, Shakira is like seven years younger, right? She's still 43. Like, wow. No, that, that's unfair. J-Lo had like a body tight outfit on. Shakira had like a normal like kind of bikini bottom. So showed... you can see the shaking more because J-Lo's butt was kind of contained within the seal. That of is the, the most stat math thing I've ever heard. I thought it was like, Jesus. Breakdown of ass shaking. <laughs> I've ever heard. Never thought I'd ever see the day. Never thought I'd ever see it. Um, all right, well, before we get to countdown, I'm reluctant to say it, but we do have a Stat Matt deep dive this week, and, God, it's about – I'm just going to let Matt tell you what it's about because it's going to piss me off. But go ahead, Matt. Tom Brady is not a great postseason performer. Yes, you heard that right. No, I haven't taken anything today. Brady has gotten too much acclaim because he's had the good fortune of playing with the greatest coach of all time and just good fortune on some lucky plays like the tuck rule, for example. If you compare his postseason stats as like Peyton Manning, who everyone considers, oh, big postseason choker, Peyton Manning, they're basically exactly the same. Their completion percentage is the same. Yards per attempt, the same. Brady has a slightly better interception percentage as well, 2.2% interceptions, 2.4% interceptions. And their passer ratings are just two points apart, 87.4 for Manning and 89.8 for Tom Brady. I know that doesn't tell the whole story, so just look at the clutch moments. Brady's known for all the, all the last-second drives. All you, the fourth quarter was when he comes to play. In the fourth quarter of postseason games, when they're within two scores, he gets worse. His passer rating falls to 78.7. His yards per attempt falls all the way down to 6.4. His touchdown percentage is 3.6. His interception percentage goes up. And all those numbers are lower than Peyton's. So why does Brady have six Super Bowls to Manning's two? The easy answer is he's just had better teams. When Brady underperforms in playoff games, his team steps up. He's 10-6 and six in postseason games with a passer rating below 80. 5-1 and one in postseason games when he doesn't throw a touchdown pass and 13-3 in postseason game where he throws for under 250 yards. Manning in those exact same scenarios are 5-6, and 3-3, and 7-7. And seven and seven. Brady's playoff legacy is artificially inflated because fans put too much emphasis on wins instead of individual play. And like I said, yes, it did piss me off. Did yeah, it, no, I mean... Like, I'm going to say explain yeah, yourself like you didn't just explain yourself for two and a half minutes, but like, no... No. Matt, here's the thing. Is that <laughs> mainstream media no. wants you to think Brady's better than he actually is. Why? Why Stay would woke. <laughs> oh, Matt. Look, I, I'm looking for any reason to down Tom Brady. But I, d- I think it's a little it. stretchy. That you make a good case, though, as you always do. So good job 
on that one, but uh, let's Matt head. has me legit, legitimately thinking that Matt Ryan's like a Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm. I don't know if he's ever going to get me there, but <laughs> let's head into the if countdown. Eli makes it. All right, let's head into the countdown number five. Five is for the amount of 26-plus foot three-pointers LeBron James hit in a four-minute stretch in the fourth quarter of the Lakers' victory last night. It's a whole mouthful to say that Bron Bron was on fire late in that fourth quarter. I haven't quarter seen him like that, dude. I'm not, to, not only the... The amount of threes, the difficulty of the shots, the distance of them. Like, I haven't seen LeBron's FE threes are some of the most fun things to watch over oh his career. God. A couple of them were just like almost like ill advised, but you don't see him take Many a ton of, of like non forced ill advised shots. I would say the last three were ill advised. Yeah. The last three were like off. He took one where he like pumped and was like off balance on his left foot and just let it fly, and it was cash money. Yeah. I can't believe it. Number four. Oh, this is a good one. Number of 76ers that had three career three-point percentages of 35% or higher that are shooting under 35% from three this season. We talked about their spacing, and the guys are Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, Mike Scott, Al Horford. All those guys need to step up, and they're probably going to bring someone in to help them out with it. Sixers three-point shooting, say it with me, Jake. It's looking, say it with Shaky baby. Shaky's too complimentary. <laughs> Why is it that like ninety percent of the shaky babies are targeted at me? I feel like it makes you mad, and it's fun. That it's more fun that way. Okay, number three. The number of ten plus point fourth quarter comebacks in Super Bowl history. That's the Pats versus the Seahawks um, in Super Bowl. Let me do the Roman numeral math right here. Super Bowl 39. Nope. Damn it. Don't put it Super Bowl what? 49. Super Bowl 49. That's a 20, a 10, and a 9. No, L is, L is, L is 50. 50, but you put the X in front of it, so it's minus 10. Yeah, that shit doesn't make sense. That's why we stopped God, using it. Whatever. Pat, the Pats versus the Falcons, Super Bowl 51, and the Chiefs versus the 49ers in Super Bowl 54. Three 10-plus point fourth quarter comebacks, all of them electric. Twice of them at Kyle Shanahan as the coach with the other team. Oh, man. Mm. That, that should have been number two is the amount of times Kyle Shanahan has done that. But nonetheless, number two. The number of quarterbacks to win a Heisman Trophy and NFL MVP, Cam Newton, and just this season, Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm I'm very much on the Lamar Jackson. Like, people got to calm down about Lamar Jackson. Calm down about how he looked in the playoffs. He still is. I mean, he's younger than Joe Burrow is, who just won the Heisman Trophy in college. I think Lamar Jackson is still headed for a very good career. Of course. I, I think the—, the I do think the playoff stuff is overblown, but it is interesting that teams now have been able to scheme him into bad games in the playoffs. So, and some just All it shows is that he's like every other quarterback and that he's not as good as Pat Mahomes. <laughs> that's a bar, Matt. That's, that's that's a good way to look at it. I don't even know why you had to do, you had to do Lamar like Number that. one. No, I mean to Lamar. That's being like he's not as good as Mahomes like everyone else. It's like Jordan's not as good as LeBron. Go ahead. Oh, Number one. <laughs> the number of players in NBA history <clears throat> that averaged 45 points and 10 assists over a six-game span, we talked about him today, deserves to be in the MVP race, Dame Dalla, Damian Lillard, 45 and 10 over six games. That's incredible. Like, that's just nothing Beast. Sort of incredible. Beast mode, going lights out. Like, I haven't – it's been a while since we've seen, like, a crazy stretch like this. Probably – I mean, uh, how do you equate it to Harden's stretch? It's more impressive to me. I don't know. Harden gets a bad rap, and I think a lot of the stuff he does is normalize. Uh, this is, like, the first time Dame is going on this supernova stretch, but, like, I don't Harden, know, man. Harden did this for, like, two and a That's half. That's the thing years. is that Harden's streaks are just so massive, but it's on the volume that he—I I don't know. I, I don't really want to—they're both great, great players. 
Um, I think Dame is a little bit more impressive because he hasn't done it before, whether that's fair or not to Harden. All right, we're almost out of time uh, for this episode of Straight Facts, but we can get some shots up at the buzzer. Matt, you got anything to say at the buzzer? Uh, yeah, I just want to say Democratic primary is happening. Register to vote. 100 million people did not vote in the 2016 election, and I know a lot of those 100 million people are mad about something. So, yeah, and my vote doesn't matter. There are you and 100 million people saying the same thing. Your vote does matter. Check whether you're registered to vote. And if you are registered, sometimes states will kick you off. So you can check your registration on a state website. A lot of different ways to do that. Register to vote. Democracy is not a spectator sport. A bar. Of, um, He's full of them. An absolute bar. To be fair, that's a Barack Obama quote. Also full of them. Also full of them. Jake, anything to say at the buzzer? Uh, so there's been reports recently with Steve Nix being ousted from New York that Masai Ujiri will take his place. And not only that, that the NBA league office and Adam Silver is pushing for Ujiri to go to New York. Now, if you go back... To uh, are you are you gonna go conspiracy theory on us again? It's not conspiracy if it's true, James. Okay, this is a well known fact that this now proves. Y'all see what I have to deal with. This now proves on a weekly basis that David Stern and his boys froze up the envelope that they put into the first. I think it was the first ever lottery that they yeah, did Ewing, yeah. to send Patrick Ewing to New York. This proves it. The league wants New York to do well. There's a reason why when Philly was in trouble, who did Philly go and get? They, oh, they forced Hinky out. They didn't like Hinky because he was bad for the league. Oh, okay. Who'd you put in there? You put brain-dead, decrepit Jerry Colangelo, <laughs> and then he brought his son in who was a total dickhead. Okay, so but the Philadelphia is the fourth biggest market in the country. So why wouldn't they want Philadelphia to succeed? It's not the first or second biggest. Whatever. James, you, all I can do is present the facts. <laughs> Whether you choose to accept them or not is up to you. Are you done? Because I get I'm you. done. You can go. Down. Okay. Um, um, thank you for that, by the way, Jake. You need to, I don't know. Like, Seek help? Yeah. <laughs> you need to go a stress reliever or something. But February is Black History Month. Um, so I want to, one, just take the, the time and second to, to recognize uh, that in itself that it is Black History Month. Two, I want to take this time to, to, at least for me, recognize... Uh, at least some of the most influential black athletes, I think, that have been personally for me in all time for have been to sports. I'll, I'll name four of them. Uh, number four, I believe, is Muhammad Ali. Now, one of the, obviously one of the greatest boxers of all time in the 1960s, but a guy who started as one name, Cassius Clay, and through religion, you know, changed his name and faced a lot of backlash from it and didn't let that take away from his career and what he was able to do, uh, his influence inside and outside of the ring. We all have the champ to recognize I think that's great. Number three is Serena Williams. Mm. Been a crazy, one of the most dominant tennis players of all time, if not the most dominant tennis player of all time in this 20-year stretch that she's having, but it's also moving the needle forward for women's sports as well. Has Nike to back her and is doing a lot of great things um, just to influence young women in sports, young women tennis players. So many people look up to her. I mean, this woman damn near died trying to give birth, came back and won a Grand Slam. So just amazing. Two, can't ever forget about him, Jackie Robinson. Um, I want to make the note that Jackie Robinson wasn't the only 
black player to break, to break the color line when he did back in the 1940s, but obviously it's probably going to be remembered as the most, most impactful one that did, and he always should be recognized for that. So always got to give great credit to Jackie Robinson, someone who broke the mold. And then number one, probably just because I've seen him the most, he's had the most direct impact on you know my life in the era that I've watched basketball, but that's going to be LeBron James, someone who is dominated off the court and is seemingly dominating life off of it as well, doing so much philanthropy work, showing people that they can be more than an athlete, black, white, Spanish, whatever. LeBron James has just been so influential for the game of basketball, for the reason why I watch basketball, for what I'm trying to do outside of sports as well. So just those are just four people I'd like to recognize in black athletic history that I think has very much moved the needle. Also, Jesse Owens for what he did. Um, back in the Olympic times. But that's all the episode, all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. It was a great one. Big ups to Greg Barron and Kyle Sobieski for doing what you do behind the camera. We miss Jewel Schmitz. Hope that she had a great dinner and please save me some. For my guys, Stat Matt and Jake Galley, I am James Jackson and these have been the facts. Straight up. Straight up.